0: Well hello everybody and welcome you have tuned in to episode number 362 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet and we have a second part of a deep dive we did several months ago but it's time for an update and we will be talking about pi star again and we're going to get deeper into the deep end than we did the last time and also throw in some uh, interesting related topics that have to do with digital radio and linking and cross mode and and all kinds of cool stuff that you can do with pi star and because we're talking about pi star we had to bring in the author of pi star um who will at some point remind us that someone else wrote a big chunk of it and he created the part that goes over the top of that part Uh, but we'll get to that First, let's introduce ourselves. I'm
2: Russ, K5TUX. Cheryl is
0: on assignment. <laughs>
2: She's W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And, and I'm the- Andy.
3: Yeah, Mike he's... Mike Whiskey Zero, Mike Whiskey Zulu. You see, you just can't cut me off. i got to get in. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was trying to make the intro a little more proper, but if you just want to jump in there, that's fine. I guess that's what Welsh people do.
3: Absolutely. We're all friendly.
0: <laughs> so anyway, welcome back to the show, Andy. It's good to have you again. It's been a while since we've talked about Pi Star, and I have talked to you, you know, out of band about Pi Star a few times since then and learned a few more things. And so I would like to impart some of that wisdom onto our audience, and you are here to do that. But before you do, give us the the really, really shortened version of who you are and what Pi star is.
3: Well, if I gave you the who I am, I think we'd probably be here all week. I mean, that is the unanswerable question. So I think we'll stick with, with what Pistar is. Pistar was was born from necessity. So the necessity was, I could see that digital communications was a thing. Uh, at the time, there was a DSTAR repeater and IRC DDB gateway. They enabled you to use a very small number of pieces of hardware and a Raspberry Pi and an icon radio and to connect to the ICOM digital network. And that was actually surprisingly difficult. It's not that any of it was really hard or that the software was bad in any way. It was just hard. There was an expectation that you knew the things that you would need to know in order to connect to that network. The problem is of course that if you don't know them, you don't know what you need to know. And that made things just a little difficult. So in the beginning, I created the the original image, uh, which had a full desktop and, and a full GUI, and you could use VNC, but you still needed to know what you didn't know. And that led to an improvement where, with a couple of scripts, you could fill in the blanks, and it would ask you things that you would know, like your call sign. And it would ask you what frequency you might want to use. And then based on that, you could fill in the bits that maybe people wouldn't know, like what band letter you might need, which for 70 centimeters, that's B, but you wouldn't know that. So in essence, it grew from necessity and it's never stopped growing. Every time I get to take a a look and see what's under the hood, I'm reminded that there's a new thing or a new feature or a different way to do something that we haven't done yet. So what it is today, isn't necessarily what it'll be tomorrow. How's
0: that? That sounds like a good reintroduction, I guess. If you want to hear the introduction, go back to the first episode, which maybe Bill will go find the episode number of. Sure. (laughs) Um, And in that one, we talked about the beginning of it, how you download it, how you get it onto the Raspberry Pi, how you boot it up, initial configuration, how you get your radio ID, all that kind of stuff. So if you want the intro to the deep dive check out that one first we're going to move on from there
2: and that's episode 301
0: 301 here we go and this is 362 yeah so it's been a while (laughs) um so i don't know if any of the topics that i have here make logical sense chronologically so we're just going to go into them uh the first thing that came to my mind was to talk a little bit about dmr and dmr is not pi Star. But Pi-Star certainly creates an avenue to use DMR in a way that you might not be able to if you're not near a repeater that supports DMR. So we're going to talk a little bit, or Andy's going to talk a little bit about DMR itself, the technology and the different networks there are, and uh, some of the politics there. And we may cut him off if necessary. And then how that integrates into Pi-Star. So is that was that good enough? Was that Can you run from that?
3: Yeah, I think we can go from there. Now, before I delve too deeply into DMR, as you alluded to briefly earlier, I should, of course, mention the great work done by people other than myself. PyStar wouldn't be what it is or where it is without the work that Jonathan G4KLX has put in with his fantastic software stack. And when we get to talk about cross modes, which I'm sure will crop up, again, we wouldn't be where we are. Without the excellent work by Andy, uh, CA6, JAU. Without those guys, PyStar just wouldn't exist. I mean, I hope that without those guys, somebody else might have attempted to do uh, the same kind of work and to bring the same software to the masses. Uh, But, you know, I like to make sure that we give those guys a plug too, because while I do work on some of the glue that binds their stuff together and and helps make it a single, or at least it feels like a single usable thing. It just wouldn't exist without them. So I have to say thank you to those guys. So moving on from there, uh, DMR. DMR is uh, fundamentally a business radio solution. So the whole crux of DMR and why it exists is to cram more radio users into the same spectrum. So. When you hear about DMR, you'll hear about time slots. So literally, at a 12.5 kilohertz wide channel, there are two individual time slots. And those two time slots can carry two independent conversations. So that's one conversation per time slot. And they can exist at the same time. So in essence, you've doubled the usable capacity before you do anything else. So you can have two independent conversations that don't hear each other at the same time that don't interact with each other. Now, you'll also hear other terms that crop up frequently. You'll hear DMR IDs. You'll hear talk groups. You may even hear TAC. Most of these equate to the same thing at some level. It's a number. Uh, DMR IDs can be, I believe, longer than nine digits, but we'll stick with nine digits for now. They can be a nine-digit number, and that number can have any meaning. Now, in the business world, generally, all of your users will talk to a destination of a given number. So that will be your talk group. And everybody who is subscribed to the talk group will hear what's transmitted to the talk group. And maybe their radio will be identified by a number that's been assigned to the radio to identify that user of the talk group. Now, that is all very much a business radio system. And that's exactly what it's designed for. However, as HAMS, we've been able to adopt it. Now, the work to adopt a system like that can be a little messy because if you imagine a scenario where the first group of people that adopt it choose that they're all going to have uh, a number and they don't want any oppressive rules, so they let people choose their own ID. And when it comes to talk groups, you can just pick a number and, and that's your talk group. So your ID might be three, and your chosen talk group might be 12. But without any thought about how that might be designed, you can quickly run into a scenario where that group of people are perfectly happy, they program their radios, and it all works very well. However, if you want to speak to another group of people who've also set up their network or their system and not chosen the same idea for how their numbering convention, you might call it, how their numbering convention might work, it can be a little painful to make the two talk to each other. And that's where some of the big DMR network providers really excel. So the the main couple that we'll, we'll end up talking about, Brandmeister, DMR+, and TGIF, those are probably the three largest groups currently. That's not to say that there aren't plenty of groups. There are many more groups. And uh, if you look at the DMR network list that PyStar supports, it's getting to be very long. So please do have a poke around and see who else there is, too, because they're they're not the only ones. Unlike previous uh, systems that have come and gone, we'll talk about Betamax and VHS. There doesn't need to be a winner. You can use whatever you'd like to use. What will tend to happen is that your friends may prefer uh, one network or the other. And so you may find that you hang out more in one place than another and that's okay too all of these networks have their own ideas and their own concepts i'll probably mostly focus on the guys at brandmeister partly because they've been around a long time partly because they have some really excellent features when it comes to users being able to manage themselves they really do have some excellent features and some of that we've been able to integrate with too so To go a little further with this, once you have your DMR ID and you want to use Brandmeister, you can just do so. You can just choose to connect to the network. You've got your ID set. You can choose them from a drop-down list and get connected. You do, of course, need to make sure that you program your ID into your radio and, of course, your frequency pair for your your hotspot or repeater, however you want to gain access. But there are some additional features that are available by setting up your self-care account. In terms of Brandmeister, they call your account a self-care account because you can take care of yourself. You're able to choose uh, which talk groups follow you around. So every time you connect, it'll make sure that these talk groups are pinned, and if there's any traffic, you'll start to hear them. Equally, you can manage those talk groups and maybe disconnect them. So perhaps one of those talk groups is very busy, but you'd like to do something else you can choose to drop the talk group, even when it's in use. So the self-care does bring a lot of additional help and a lot of additional features. And it's well worth, if you don't already have your self-care account set up, it's well worth getting set up. So is there anything particular, Russ, that you wanted to ask me about uh, DMR networks?
0: Well, let's see. <clears throat> um, you you mentioned the DMR ID, and that's, that's actually, you go to, what is it, radioid.net, Generally speaking, I think to to get the your DMR ID, and that actually does that. It it doesn't um, it doesn't go outside of the DMR network because uh, like NXDN has its own ID and P twenty five. I haven't actually figured out how you get a P twenty five ID, <laughs> um, but you also have to make sure that that ID that you get your radio ID is in the Pi Star. I'm pretty sure we mentioned this first time around. Uh, so that so that when it's uh, when it 's making a connection to the network for you it 's identifying you as you
3: yes, so as as radio hams, all of us have our our own license conditions that we need to satisfy, and in many cases, that will include a clause about how you identify yourself. This can occasionally be under interpreted or over interpreted depending on the the player in the game. Essentially, it boils down to uh, you communicating in whatever method you're using your call sign. So registering for your DMR ID will identify you. Some would say that that is not the legal identifier and your voice is what you use to identify yourself, so you should still verbally give your call sign. And it depends on the licensing authority that you're under exactly what the terminology is, and they do honestly vary. So be aware of that, but for the most part, saying your call sign is quite enough. However, like you said, once you're registered and you have your DMR ID, you put it in the Pistar dashboard and you put it in your radio. And every time you press the PTT on the radio, it's transmitted through. And uh, as your PyStar connects to the network, it also identifies itself with whatever ID it's been given. So when you connect up to one of these uh, DMR networks, it will be identified with your ID, even if you don't transmit. And that's mostly a protocol thing. It's just to make sure that there is a way to identify the connection. So for your reference, if you're wanting a P25 ID, it's actually your DMR ID. Those are seven digits long. And uh, they're they're one-to-one parity with your DMR ID. NXDN IDs are a bit of a different game. They're limited to uh, three bytes. That makes them 65,533 IDs, I think. Uh, I'm sure that that's not quite right, and somebody will let you know what the exact figure is, but it's it's 65,000 and some. Uh, so those are not one-to-one with your DMR ID. Now, in the past, again, some groups have chosen to use the last five digits of your DMR ID. That, of course, means that there will be users that overlap. And other groups have chosen to use the registered NXDN IDs uh, that Radio ID holds. So there's a little bit of a, a disconnect with those. On other modes, so. Uh, YSF mode, that's Yaesu System Fusion, and D-Star. D-Star is entirely based on call signs, as is Yaesu System Fusion. So you put your actual call sign in the radio, and that's what's transmitted. Hopefully that helps clear up some of those.
0: It does. And actually, I'm looking at the DMR configuration in PyStar right now on my screen, it One thing I wanted to ask you about, because I've never used it, is there's this uh, idea, I guess, of a suffix for your ID, a two-digit suffix. Um, I have never used one, uh, presuming that if you don't use one, you're essentially using 00, which is more or less truncated. But why would you use one, and what does it do for you?
3: So this equates to helping the network not come unstuck. If you happen to have more than one Pi-Star, so for example, a common case that comes up: if a uh, an owner of a Pi-Star device has one set up in the house, and he says, "You know, this is great. Um, if only I had one of these mobile, but I could. I mean, it's only a Pi and a hat, and the expense. It, there is an expense. Let's not get away from that. But it's not too great. So I could make another one and put it in the car. Now the problem is that to do that and take your handheld radio, your HT with you, and have it work as seamlessly as it could possibly work, you could be tempted to use the same frequency for both of those units, thinking that, well, if you're at home, your your HT will work on the home one. And when you're in the car, it'll just work in the car. And that's fine. But there could be a situation where, for that few moments, where you get in the car, and you start the car, and you plug in your Pi-Star unit in the car, connected up to your cell phone. Those two could hear each other. And if there was some RF, they could start actually transmitting backwards and forwards to themselves. So the one in the car would be transmitting whatever it's transmitting, and the one in the house would hear that, believing that it came from your ID, and then retransmit it back to the network. So the idea of the extended IDs means you use your first seven digits of your, your DMR ID, which is the, the whole ID, in fact. And you extend it to nine digits by adding anything from 0, 01 to 99 on the end. And that gives you the opportunity to have more than one hotspot, but for the network to be able to tell that you've got two hotspots. So if it hears traffic that it's sent out come back from another hotspot with your ID, it can just be ignored. That's okay. It's still not a great idea to have them both on the same frequency within earshot of each other. I thoroughly recommend not turning the one on in the car until you're out of range. But even so, these are some measures that the networks have introduced to attempt to solve some of those problems. It certainly did cause a lot of trouble in the beginning. All
0: right. Well, that actually clears that up. And since I only currently have one Pi-Star unit, I don't have to worry about that. But I am looking at getting another one, and we're going to talk about bridging in a little bit, uh, at which point I might be inclined to set that up or just use different frequencies, which might actually be more sensible <laughs> um so again since we're still kind of touching on dmr let's talk a little bit about the configuration of dmr and pystar um one of the things that you can do if you have a Pi-Star is you can enable dmr mode and you can also enable dmr cross mode now one of the thing i've noticed is that if you have cross modes enabled for one mode you cannot enable them for another one so <clears throat> for example in my current configuration, I have DMR enabled, and I have Yazu System Fusion enabled, and I have the Fusion to DMR, NXDN, and P25 enabled. But if we wanted to enable, for example, DMR to YSF, it will not let you. Um, is that a technical consideration, or a like it would just really mess things up if you tried to do that?
3: So it's technically possible to do things that don't make any sense. So when I was originally testing the cross-mode support and getting it all to work, uh, there was a point at which I had it set up where I could use uh, a YSF radio, do YSF to DMR inside the Pi, staying in the Pi, go back to YSF again, and then join to a YSF network somewhere. So for absolutely no reason whatsoever, it was DMR in the middle. And yeah, so I'm trying to help the people using PyStar to, to make same choices. Um, because you can, don't get me wrong, absolutely everybody needs to experiment. You should experiment. Please go take it to bits and try it. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also trying to make this workable for uh, people who are just getting into the hobby and maybe don't quite understand enough to pull it to bits in the middle. So when we set up the cross mode support, Uh, there's a number of pieces of software that hang together to make that work. So your RF comes in from the radio uh, into the hat that's on your Pi. That feeds into MMDVM host. So that's the, the software that speaks to the radio. And then from there, it's passed usually to a gateway. So when you have one of the crossover mode support turned on, you're actually passing into a crossover software and then into the gateway that that software would use. It's kind of a technical thing because having some of those modes turned on at the same time means that you'd try and go through the same gateway twice. And it's also just to help alleviate some confusion too. So it's not entirely a technical thing, and it's not entirely trying to help you. It's a mixture of both. It's trying to find the middle ground that gives you the best balance of features while not being difficult or cumbersome. It can still be difficult and a bit cumbersome crossover modes is a lot of fun but shouldn't be underestimated we make it look easier than perhaps it is underneath
0: all right and we learned in the last episode when we talked about this that the reason you can do that is because the the encoding and decoding of the audio signal is essentially the same across all those modes if i remember right
3: to a point that's what it amounts to so you unwrap your uh, dmr christmas present and uh you take out all of the marvelous bits in the middle. And then you rewrap them in Yezu wrapping paper and stick them on the network, for example. So that would be DMR to YSF. And this is one of the reasons why, if you use uh, DMR to YSF, is a great example. There's a mismatch in audio level. So uh, people, when they use DMR to YSF, on the YSF side, they sound very, very loud. On the DMR side, coming back the other way, they sound quiet. And it's because the two uh, major vendors didn't choose the same value in the middle for the audio leveling. And it's unfortunately a thing that we can't fix in software. Okay.
0: Well, I've noticed that doing cross mode both ways, DMR to YSF and YSF to DMR, seems to work reasonably well. And yes, I mean, you'll encounter people on both networks who have differences in audio levels, but for the most part, it's a tolerable issue. So... Um, under DMR configuration in PyStar, which I started to get to, um, at least on my setup, I've uh, I've chosen DMR Master, DMR Gateway, chosen a Brandmeister, and enabled Brandmeister, but I don't have any of the other, like DMR Plus and XLX. I don't have any of those enabled. Um, I believe you said there's a reason that you should not have more than one of those enabled at any given time. Can you maybe uh, talk about DMR configuration and which networks to be connected to and um, what's a sane way to do that. And if you're going to be doing a connection via the radio for DMR, uh, how you approach that.
3: There are most definitely caveats with, with doing multiple DMR at the same time. Most of the caveats come down to a little understanding. So while you can choose to a point which mode is active and then that's where your traffic will go, you can't always choose which one is active for traffic coming in. So there are a number of things that happen here. So there are a couple of timers that are in play. So at the very top, uh, you'll see uh, where you turn on the various modes. In DMR, you have an RF hang time, you have a net hang time. Those equate to how long you should stay stuck to the last network used either for RF coming into the Pi or for network traffic coming into the pie. Those are also used if you use DMR gateway and use multiple DMR servers. So the net hang time should make you stick to the last active network for that number of seconds. So with that in mind, if you make them very, very short, what can happen is you can fail to follow a conversation. So if we were all talking in a DMR room on one particular DMR network and we set it down to single seconds, so two or three. You could have the situation where one of us doesn't press the PTT very quickly, but another network that was available is actually busy, and suddenly you'll be hearing the traffic from that talk group. And that can become incredibly confusing. Uh, So I tend to suggest that those are actually left reasonably long. I won't call it long, but reasonably long. I generally have mine set so that RF hang time is 90 seconds, and the network hang times are about 20. For the most part, that mostly works for me. The other thing that can happen is when you start to use multiple um, DMR networks at the same time, you have to follow the kind of thinking that less is more. So as I alluded to earlier on, if you have your Brandmeister self-care account, and you have Brandmeister in your first slot, and you have, uh, let's say, uh, one of the IPSC2 servers for DMR Plus in the second slot, and uh maybe you have uh, TGIF in there as well. I'll get to how you can do that in a, in just a moment. And maybe you have an XLX connected at the same time, so you have a large number of servers available to you all at once. Now if you had a busy talk group pinned on each one of those connections, that could actually become more cumbersome than just having a single connection. So this is why I say, you know, less is more by all means pin a couple of talk groups but if they're busy talk groups they'll keep you stuck listening to those talk groups and you could miss something that you actually cared about on one of the other networks uh, of course you can also do it the other way and uh, end up with a an army of pi stars all connected all over the place and then let your radio scan between them um of course i'd advocate that more pi stars is definitely more so yes do that. <laughs> uh, so you you can come unstuck is what i'm saying with that now If you look in the expert section, you're able to actually edit the MR gateway uh, directly. And if you're running one of the newer uh, copies of PyStar, uh, 4.1 and up, you should find that there'll be five networks in there instead of three as there used to be. The third slot is used for the crossover stuff. So I don't recommend trying to make manual edits on the third slot. Probably uh, the dashboard will annoy you by fixing it. I'll put that in big air quotes, fixing it for you with what it thinks should be in there. Uh, However, slot four and five won't get tattooed by the dashboard, so you can put whatever you want in those. So if you felt like connecting to uh, one of the other networks as well, and having up to five connections up at the same time, you certainly could. And then you could add an XLX to that as well. Uh, The the solid warning stands, though. Less is more. So uh, with more networks comes more complexity. By all means, get in there and try it. You absolutely should. Just understand how it can go sideways and uh, how to get your sanity back if you do.
0: Are there talk group overlaps between the networks? Because I'm wondering if you have DMR and DMR Plus or BrandMeister and DMR Plus enabled at the same time, how does it distinguish which way it should go?
3: So what tends to happen is in the standard configuration, we, we prefix some of the talk groups in some cases. Now I'm working on an overlay where the prefixes are pretty much non-existent, but we're not quite there with that yet. That will probably make it out in one of the upcoming versions though. It'll be the the standard. Some of that comes from the fact that uh, the DMR Plus guys use talk groups that are actually not so much overlapping with BrandMeister. So you can actually have those in a couple of spots, and that works quite well. However, some of the other networks do completely overlap. Yes. And that becomes a problem. So you end up with a prefix. So when we were talking briefly earlier about using the crossover modes, a good example of this is the out-of-box setup for using YSF from a DMR radio. So you enable the YSF to DMR. And you can do that while using DMR gateway. So you can have uh, two or more networks connected And then you can map all of the uh, YSF rooms into a prefix. In this case, the out of box prefix is 70. So 70 and then the room number will dial YSF room. So from your DMR radio, it doesn't feel like you did anything other than use DMR.
0: Well, how does that work from the other way around, though? Like if you have YSF to DMR enabled and you have DMR Brandmeister enabled and DMR plus enabled, Can you distinguish between the two? Is there a prefixing? Is this a bad idea?
3: Uh, it would be a bad idea. Okay. I'm pretty sure that we, as we set it up, we don't let you do DMR gateway with YSF to DMR. And that's the reason why. So I think we actually only allow you to pick a single master. Um, in the newer versions from 4.1 up, uh, you can dial the talk group from your YSF radio as if it was a YSF room, and then you can connect straight there. There is a downside to that, that only works up to five digits because five digits is all the YSF mode supports for anything higher than that. You actually have to set it from the dashboard, which is a bit of a shame.
4: All right. I think
0: that answers the question. Uh, Maybe
3: Ah, if it doesn't, you can always come back for an ask. (laughs)
0: That's right. All right. So that's, that's probably enough about DMR. I think we, I think we. Sort of established DMR as a technology and how to use it via Pi-Star. So let's talk a little bit about cross-mode operation, which we've kind of been touching on. So only certain kinds of cross-mode operation are allowed via Pi-Star. Uh, System Fusion can connect to pretty much whatever. Yeah. Um, DMR can connect to YSF and NXDN. So why not P25 or whatever? And uh, what's the difference? I know we touched on this before, but you know, go over quickly again why you can't do cross mode with D-Star.
3: Right. So some good news and some bad news around some of that. We'll see what we can talk about. P twenty five, you can do YSF to P twenty five. That is entirely because uh, YSF in uh, full rate FR mode or wide voice uh, is very similar to P twenty five. So you can use the commands on the radio and connect to where you want to be on P25. Then you need to turn uh, X mode excuse me, on the radio off, uh, put it into voice wide, and now you'll actually be able to pass audio traffic. So there is some cross mode to P25, but it's a little bit limited. Now, there is a software project that's happening at the moment, uh, which will expand that whole universe Substantially, I would say there are a couple of reasons why we don't have it uh, installed in Pi-Star, and I suspect that in the future it won't be there out of the box. But we'll make it an easy thing that you can choose to turn on yourself, uh, albeit after agreeing to some legalese, probably. Um, but there, there are some strides happening in that regard, so that's that's a thing that I hope we'll see soon. When it comes to D-Star. Uh, that has a similar problem, but not entirely the same. Essentially what it boils down to is that star is fundamentally different underneath. It's not just Yeezy wrapping paper wrapping the same voice packets. It's actually substantially different. So the magic inside the packet is different. What you need to do to get in and out of star mode is transcode. So that's where you actually turn the digitized voice back into analog voice and then you turn it back into digitized voice in a different mode. And that currently requires some hardware or a license fee. And at the moment, hardware is probably the way that that will get solved. That seems to be the common way that it gets solved. Now, the difficulty, of course, is that that also incurs a cost, because you need one transcoding chip to take in the audio in one format and turn it into analog, and a second one to stream it straight back out again in a different digital format. Hopefully, we'll find a way around some of those requirements, but at the moment, that's what's required, and that's the reason that it gets a little held up.
0: All right. Well, one nice thing about PyStar is that if you're using these modes directly, for example, you have a DMR radio, a YSF radio, and a D-Star radio, you can use them all uh, sort of quasi-simultaneously. Uh, you can be con- connected to things all at the same time, and they will be uh, relayed back to you and allow RF input to each one based on your timeouts that we talked about the RF timeout and the net timeout. Um, so you can do crazy things if you want. Um, you know, cross mode, we, I think we did talk about that quite a bit on the first one. Um, and I, I think there was some confusion on my end about the difference between YSF and Wires X. I hope we've hammered that out. <laughs> because uh, we've done a couple of episodes since on both DMR and uh, YSF and X, So um, hopefully I've answered some of those questions. Uh, I know it's clear in my head, but if anybody has questions about how those modes operate and uh, any specifics about how to use them properly uh, with Pi-Star, please send us an email, and either we'll answer it or we'll forward it on to Andy, who will at some point answer it. Um, so... I did have in here about uh, controlling via the radio. So are there any, like, high points you want to hit about, like, using a system fusion radio or a DMR radio for actually, uh, you know, controlling PyStar?
3: Absolutely. So this actually bridges a couple of uh, different topics. One of the things that I really like to make sure of is when you have any mode enabled, and it doesn't matter which one it is, that the, the PyStar will respond as if it was a pocket-sized repeater. So in the same way that if you were using your local repeater, you could choose which DMR talk group you're on with your DMR radio. Equally, if you were using a system fusion repeater, you'd be able to press the Y's X button, see where you're connected, and change it. And just the same with D star and and, uh, P25 and NXDN. You'll be able to choose the talk group you want, your PTT on those talk groups, and off you go. In much the same way, PyStar follows the exact same ethos. So in any native mode, you can choose where you connect. But just the same with the cross modes, you're able to choose where you connected. So if we take uh, using a YSF radio, for example, and then navigating the world of the cross modes that it supports, you're able to, from the YSX mode on the radio, you can see a list of available places where you can connect, and they include YSF to DMR, YSF to P25, YSF to NXPN. When you choose one of those, and then the next time you go and have a look and search for all of the available rooms, you'll be able to see the cross-mode rooms and not the rooms where you started. So for example, if you did YSF to DMR first, and then you go back and say, show me all of the rooms, it'll now show you a talk group list. And you'll be able to choose the talk group from the radio. It's navigated somewhat like a, a tree in WyzeX. If you then disconnect from one of those rooms and actually fully disconnect uh, by sending the disconnect command, which I have to say is different on EGAzu radio, so it might might require a visit to the manual to find that out for your radio, it'll take you back to the top of the tree. And now you'll see those cross-mode options, as well as all of the native WyzeF rooms and FCS rooms. So. As I said, you know, the idea here is that when you do use cross mode, you should be able to drive it from the radio just like you could if it was a native mode. Similarly, on DMR to YSF, you are able to, like when you use the gateway, you prefix the room that you want to go to with a 70. So 7031672 will take you to the, the Pi Star reflector and you can have a chat and see who's there. That tends to be fairly quiet. So. Maybe don't use that for an example to show your friends, but it's a way that you can drive those connectivity uh, from the radio directly without needing to visit the dashboard. And for me, I think that's a worthwhile thing to to keep supporting and to keep making sure it works.
0: Yeah, I actually definitely agree with that. I, I love being able to just kind of navigate around using the radio interface rather than having to connect to and make changes in PyStar all the time. I like having it just set up. Uh, that being said, though, if you want to change the way Pi-Star operates, it's pretty simple to get into the GUI, You know, click a couple of sliders, hit save, wait for it to reboot, and then it will do things completely in a different way.
3: It does. I mean, we also added the feature. So if you click on the, the admin button, so you get the expanded admin section. When you are using YSF mode on your hotspot, you'll find you're actually able to choose where you're linked to uh, directly from the admin page as well. You don't need to go to the configuration and save the configuration and wait for it to reload. You can just say, no, I'm done with this room. I want to change somewhere else. Choose it from the dropdown, press the change button. You're done.
0: Yeah. Very nice. And you mentioned something about TGIF or something or TJF.
3: It's one of the other DMR networks. So there's, there's the, uh, Brandmeister guys. They've been around for a long time. Now, DMR plus who've been mostly around for a long time. Uh, I believe that they've also been uh, the Phoenix Network, and I think they've, they've ended up as DMR Plus these days. They come from what I believe was DMR Mark. However, my history on DMR networks isn't terrifically strong, I have to say. And then the uh, the TGIF Network, who uh, also have been around now for a little while and uh, seem to have a, a reasonable number of people that use that one as well.
0: So how does one access that from PyStar? I see no references to it.
3: It certainly used to be in the network dropdown. So where you see at the moment, you've probably got DMR gateway. If you look at that dropdown, it'll show up in the list.
0: Yes, I do have DMR gateway. So I see DMR plus and I see HB.
3: They are or were, I believe, at some point using HB link. So they they may very well show up as a an HB uh, America slot. Oh, they're actually right in the middle. There we go. That's why I couldn't see them. If you scroll to the bottom of the DMR plus list, you'll find them there.
0: DMR, oh, oh, DMR plus list. I'm in the Brand master list. Ha-ha,
3: that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, so on the one that you've got, DMR Gateway, you scroll past VM, scroll past DMR plus, and you'll find them before the HBs. So the HB thing might not make a lot of sense to a few people. So HB link is a uh, software stack for creating a DMR master. So a DMR server where you can host a number of talk groups and allow users to connect there has been what you might call an explosion in those recently. And uh, there are lots and lots and lots of groups who've sprung up their HB link servers and asked to put them in the list. And the way I see it is if, if you want to be in the list, we'll put you in the list. That doesn't mean that anybody will necessarily choose to use you or maybe everybody will, who knows. Um, but we put them in the list and let the users choose.
0: So... Hmm. I'm looking at the DMR DMR master configuration thing, and I see, like, way down at the bottom, there's, like, Ozark Digital. (laughs) Um, So that's another network like Brandmeister has their own talk groups, et cetera, et cetera.
3: It's uh, a little complex. Some of these guys call themselves a network where there might only be a single host, and some of them really are a network of more than one host.
0: All right. I don't want to get too far down there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you did mention being able to configure Brandmeister settings from Pistar rather than going to the self-service portal. So where, where does one find that and what can you do with it?
3: So there is um, a little thing that you need to do first. So once you have your self-service account set up, which you do need to have, mm-hmm. when you log in and you're logged in on the Brandmeister page, over the top right you'll see your own call sign and maybe a profile picture if you have one. If you click on that and then click Profile Settings, you should find uh, your profile. And I've actually managed to log out because it's been a little while while we've been talking here. Once you click that, about halfway down the page towards the right-hand side, it will say API keys. API keys are a name for um, a secret to be used to enable the PyStar or anything else, for that matter, to talk to the BrandMeister API as you. And that's important. So when you look at the API keys, you can go and create one. When you create it, it will give you a QR code that you can scan, and it will give you a long text string. When you then log into your PyStar dashboard and uh, head over to the uh, configuration and then expert, you'll find an option in there that says BM API. And you can paste in that extremely long uh, text string that they give you. And that will enable PyStar to speak directly to their API as you and control some of the things that you can do directly under self-care. And once you do that, you're able to, uh, show what talk groups you have pinned and you're able to change those talk groups. So you can request a change. You can say, I don't want to listen to this one anymore. Maybe I want to use that one and it'll request a change for you without you having to visit self-care. Uh,
0: I just did that while you were talking about it. And sure enough, that option has enabled itself and shows up under the admin page.
3: And that's exactly what happens. And now you can use those features. So if there was an active QSO and you just couldn't get it to drop the talk group, because there's always somebody talking, that can really happen. <laughs> it sure can, uh, you can, you can choose to drop the talk group and then you can choose to drop the QSO and they go, no more talking. And you can choose where you want to link.
0: Yeah. I've, I've uh, more than once been caught up on, uh. Brandmeister talk group 91, uh, with no way out.
3: <laughs> it can happen. It's yeah. a real thing. <laughs>
0: uh, so yes, that's a nice feature. I'm glad we dove into that. And, uh, again, generating the API key, very simple, uh, give it a name. It gives you a key, plug it into B M API in the advanced configuration, go back to your admin on PI star and boom, all those options have become available to you. So excellent what what rev of pi star was that added
3: that's been there for a good while i always recommend to use whatever the latest uh system is so 4.1 definitely has some improvements that are quite important it does a lot better with the cross mode support and being able to drive that from the radios than the older version 3 builds do so yeah
0: right
3: 4.1 something and then press the update button until you're up to date
0: okay So I, I wanted to get into that, the difference between update and upgrade because one shows up under normal circumstances and the other is only in the expert, um, it is my understanding. And maybe I'm wrong that you couldn't always update PI star from within PI star,
3: there was an element of not always being able to update it from inside itself. And part of that comes from the fact that the script that you run needs to be updated before you run the script. So. There's a little bit of work that I could do to that to make that not a problem, but I chose to keep them set for now. So essentially what happens here is updates are dashboard changes and maybe new binaries for the software, but no real huge feature type changes. But pressing the update button does update the upgrade script. Uh, so it prepares you for an upgrade, if you like. So if you were to download a brand new copy of PyStar, and for whatever reason it's not right up to date, I'll give you a hint. The one that's available for download right now isn't right up to date. I'll be fixing that very shortly. You would uh, get it set up, press Update, make sure it's up to date. And then you might want to visit the Expert page and press the Upgrade button as well. What will happen with an upgrade that an update doesn't do is you'll actually see the version number might change. So 4.1.2 is the current release, and maybe you've downloaded 4.1.0. There's no need to actually download a new one. You can just press upgrade until you get to the current release and uh, press it repeatedly if that's what you need to do. So what separates the two? Uh, Fundamental changes in the way that something, a feature, perhaps, works. That's what changes between the build numbers. Occasionally, but not very often, I'll bump the build number because there's been so many small changes that they amount to a big change. And it's just for me to keep track on where people are at and whether they're up to date. Um, And, yeah, that's mostly it. So uh, upgrades can change features in the operating system. Updates change the dashboard and the binaries. That's about it.
0: All right. And just so people know, you have to click configuration and then expert to even see the upgrade option. It doesn't show itself any other way. That's true. And before we get into bridging the gap, which is probably going to be our big topic for the day, um, the the files on the file system, like the YSF hosts file and stuff like that, I assume they're updated by cron.
3: So the update process, if you just do nothing, runs every day. So if you leave your PyStar on overnight, it will always be up to date. However, it does not run the upgrade overnight. You do need to at least occasionally, press the button and see what happens. And it will tell you in plain and actual text that you you don't need an upgrade if that's the case.
0: Okay. that I wasn't really going there, but I appreciate that. Um, what I was wondering is, like the YSF hosts, the things that change regularly when talk groups are added, uh, YSF rooms are updated, things like that. Um, yeah. Can you manually do that? Does update download update those?
3: does exactly that, Yeah. That's- so the, the update... The update that runs overnight is almost identical to pressing the update button uh, on on the page. In fact, at the moment, I think they are actually identical. I think it calls the same script.
0: Okay, excellent news.
3: <laughs> so things like uh, DMR IDs, they're updated overnight. Uh, exactly as you said, the, the list of talk groups that are used to some of the crossover modes, they're updated every night. All of the host files that relate to DSTAR, they're updated every night. Uh, the list of uh, dmr uh, networks that you have to choose from that's updated overnight there's a lot of the uh, the automation that makes Pistar what it is relates to how that update process works
0: all right so now let's get into it let's get into bridging the gap and this is something that i've been playing with lately and i've been talking with you about and that is to Kind of make all of these technologies work together, or in a way where it's basically one just giant reflector. So if you come in on P twenty five, you can hear it on wires X, and so on and so forth. So um, there's lots of technologies out there, and it would be nice if you know you could bridge the gap. And I've been working on doing that. You've you've done uh, it pretty successfully with uh, three one six seven two getting Pi Star across all the different networks. So. Without revealing too much information and being as cagey as you need to be, I guess, um, what what kind of things can be set up to get things to talk to each other?
3: So the good news is that the majority of the work that you would need to do to make anything talk to anything is mostly there. There are some caveats, sure, we'll cover those in a moment, but most of it is there. So there is already uh, an open source uh, implementation that allows you to um, – encode and decode P25. So being able to connect P25 to something is mostly possible. For the core modes, we'll call them, um, DMR, YSF, NXDN, as we've already touched on, um, the magic inside uh, the present is all the same. What changes is the wrapping paper. So you can imagine that those three are not too difficult. So you can come in on any one of those three, go out on any other one of those three, and that is all kind of doable. So it is possible to to have single talk groups or reflectors where any one of those three can talk to any one of those three, and that just works. Doing the same with P25 is fairly possible. That that can be done. Where things come unstuck is um, the, the special uh, case, which is always D star. DSTAR star that requires actual real hardware transcoding to make that work currently. However, in some instances, we can all work as a team and make some of these things work. I uh, posted a request when I was setting up the, the multi-reflector for Pi-Star, and reached out and said if anybody has one of the new uh, reflectors that are in use for D-star, which have hardware transcoding between DMR and D-star, please talk to me, I have this plan, I want to do some things and I want to work with you. And two groups reached out to me very kindly and said, yes, we'll dedicate the module so that you can actually cross over to DSTAR as well. And that's exactly what we've done. So we do an entirely software uh, reflector that has the multi-mode support in it. And that is able to speak out uh, using basically the, the DMR protocol and speaks to those XLXs and then they actually have hardware transcoding to DSTAR on their side. So I don't actually do any transcoding in that direction. And honestly, it works pretty well. And that enables you to speak to your friends, whether you're on uh, DSTAR, DMR, YSF, whatever you happen to be using, DMR, doesn't matter. And whatever you come in on, you go out on all of them so you get heard on all of those different modes. And it's just a step to exactly like you said, bridging the gap and bringing everybody together
0: okay so you're talking about a thing that's a thing so if i wanted to do ysf to d star (laughs) um are you saying that's possible now like in a publicly available way or is it just something you've done in testing and you know works
3: no you could do it you you will have to do a little bit of thinking about how you get from ysf to d star in the fewest number of hops but it's doable so using the XLX software which is written by uh, I think it's um, I think it's John it may not be John Luke it may be I'd have to look him up I really apologize if you're listening but he, he wrote the uh, xLX software platform that is now able to natively speak to DMR ysf mode and d star the D star part of that does rely on hardware transcoding, um, but the DMR and YSF doesn't. So much like in my case, if you find somebody friendly with an XLX and you talk to them on YSF, you can be heard in D-Star land. So it's definitely possible today.
0: I'd sure like to go down that rabbit hole, but I don't think we should. So,
3: <laughs> I, it is it is a rabbit hole, and it would require learning how the sausage factory works. You'll never be the same afterwards.
0: <laughs> okay, um, maybe we'll talk about that in deep dive number three. Maybe we'll just devote <laughs> Cross Mode DS, DM Star yeah, uh, as, as an entire topic. So,
2: and Xlx is attributed to uh, John Luke, LX3 JL. And,
3: Luke that's Engel
2: and the guy yep. yeah
3: l x one i q and a lot of work for uh, the d star guys, um almost every well, not quite every, but almost every reflector that's out there these days is an x l x It's not all of them, but there's a, a good lump of them, and it means that you can if you have uh one of the transcoding thumb drive uh, thumb keys or uh, even some of the bigger transcoders actually plugged into the box, then you can go from d star to these different modes.
0: That's a very interesting topic, and I would like to explore it, but that's getting away from Pi Star a little bit.
3: So, yeah, it's still something I'm passionate about, but yes, maybe that will be Deep Dive Three.
0: Yeah, I think I think we need to touch on that because it's it's one of the things we've kind of pushed aside because of the difficulty in going cross mode between D Star and anything else, or vice versa. Um, but now that that technology is out there, I think we should explore it, but not today.
3: I I would have to say just to level set here that the whole. Um, DMR to D-Star and vice versa in XLX. That's actually been there for some time, so uh, that's been a thing for a while. He, he reasonably recently added the YSF support uh, that you can do DMR to YSF on an XLX without a hardware key. You still need some transcoding hardware to get in and out of D-Star with those, but um, yeah, he's been doing some great work with that.
0: All right, excellent. So, do you do you want to talk at all about linking? into and out of wires X.
3: I would love to, we can't do it. And it, it's a constant frustration. <laughs> I would really love to, to live in a utopian world where, uh, Yezu embraced the open source world with open arms and said, this is what you need to do in order to connect to wires X. And we want you to do it. Um, I would love for us to be there. I just don't believe we're quite there yet. Okay. And we, from the open source end of it, so from myself, I'm sure Jonathan and Andy and anybody else that has any input into the various software stacks, I think we'd all love to see it.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see it too. So as you and I have discussed in the past, there is a way to do it. It's not a good way, <laughs> but there is a way.
3: There is a way. It's it's a little bit ugly. Um, essentially, what you do is you bridge the two systems with RF. So if you already run a uh, Azure system fusion repeater maybe, maybe you run a hotspot somewhere. Um, you will have an associated room and maybe you'd like to be able to get between that room and a YSF reflector so that you can share, you know, your users, whether they come in on Pi-Star or they come in on YSX, it doesn't matter, you can all talk to each other. It is a little bit ugly to do that with an RF link and having a Pi-Star just sat there just so that it can jump between the two. It's a shame that that's what we uh, we have to resort to. I'd love to do it directly in software, um, but as is the way with hams, you present them with a challenge and they'll find a way around it.
0: Yeah, and in this case, since you're only talking about a Pi Star image and a Zoom Spot and a Raspberry Pi, uh, the the investment to create that RF link is is at least reasonably small, even though it's a bit on the uh, the ugly side.
3: Yeah, I mean, and the ugliness really is is not. Not so much in in the way that it looks, it's more because you're having to rely on getting to r f you could potentially have one of them stomp on the other um so it it won't work as seamlessly if if it was just a network link. you know if you were just able to bridge the rooms directly by the network, that would just be nicer um like I said in a utopia, we'd love to be able to just connect straight over that would be just great.
0: Well, perhaps someday. The more we talk about it, maybe, maybe thoughts will change. We never know.
3: Absolutely, yeah. So, so for next time, we should all show up with T-shirts that say, "Hey, you, hey Yezu, please sort this out."
0: <laughs> I'm sure that will work. Um, <laughs> you never know.
3: <laughs>
0: all right. So, anyway, that's that's a, another big topic, and um, I I think you know we're getting. We're getting to the point where things are starting to unify as much as they expand, as many networks are developed and technologies expand the unification, I think tries to keep pace with it. So, um, hopefully, hopefully everything becomes one, so to speak at some point.
3: Absolutely. I mean, my, my fundamental goal here is not to decide who's VHS and who's Vita max. It's more to bring, Uh, a utopian world together where i don't care if you've got a vhs or Betamax video in your hand you shove it in the player and it plays perfectly that's where i want to get to i don't want anybody to feel like there's an arms race about which technology they should or shouldn't buy it should be a we don't care what you bought you can talk to all your friends no matter where they are
0: and that seems pretty reasonable so let's let's get into and we'll do this reasonably quickly but the the danger zone the expert configuration options inside of PyStar. And the first two I wanted to touch on, basically so you could maybe explain to me what they are and why they're integrated with PyStar, are IRC DDB Gateway and DAPNet.
3: Okay. Well, we'll take the first one of those first, IRC DDB Gateway. Fundamentally, what this comes down to is the path uh, that Jonathan took for MMDVM Host. So he sees it that MMDVM Host speaks to the radio, and it can speak to some network servers too the thought process being that everything it speaks to should be a gateway so irc ddb gateway is the original uh, dstar gateway implementation why reinvent the wheel there already is one Uh, we'll put a new tire on it and carry on so it is essentially it's a little bit newer it has seen some updates thank you jonathan and the rest of the team Uh, it has seen some updates from uh, when it was first released, absolutely it is still maintained um, and it is the access method to access d star, so it 's still there. So what you see is you see d star repeater and IRC DDB gateway go hand in hand, uh, but now MMDvm host and IRC DDB gateway also go hand in hand now, if you are thinking, why do we still have D star repeater available since that 's now pretty old, and what could you possibly do with it? Again, it comes down to the hardware in your hand. I want to make it possible for you to talk to whoever you talk to, no matter what you bought. So in the same way that PyStar still runs on the original OG Raspberry Pi, it also still runs with the original hardware set. So if you have a DVAP, it still works with it. Uh, if you have an original um, DV Mega from Gush Van Doren, it still works with that. Uh, if you update the firmware on your d v mega and now you can use it with m m d v m host and now you get some additional mode support. but if you didn't, it still works in d star mode just like it did when you bought it. So we do have some of the older software stack there as well, and you might question why it 's still there today, but it 's still there because i don 't feel the need to tell people they should buy new new hardware when we can keep making the old stuff work
0: well, that seems perfectly reasonable to me, so what about dapnet?
3: DatNet, so DatNet is a, a group in Germany who have a pager network and it's a pager network that they actually put some thought into. So all of the nodes are on the same frequency and they're all actually in the 70s M's amateur band. So you can have your pager that is on the amateur band and you can go move around in Germany and still get your pages from the DatNet network. So. We might look at this and and laugh a little bit because pager technologies are quite old and is it really relevant today? Bizarrely, it is. Um, Pages are receive-only devices. They're allowed in places. You can't take a transmitter or a cell phone. So there are places where pages are very relevant. For me, uh, I actually make a slightly bizarre use out of it. I get some uh, system alerts out of the PyStar servers on my PyStar pager. Most of that is because I can, and it's a bit of fun. It's something I've been interested in for a long while. There used to be uh, interesting traffic on pager networks. Not so much anymore. A lot of it has gone away. Um, But for me, it's one of the earliest digital RF communications that I had some interest in. And it was actually really good to see having, having support for it with MMDVM host, then having support for it in the hats that were available for my Pi, and suddenly I was able to be, you know, running my own page network in the house. Utterly pointless, but a great deal of fun.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you just have to have fun.
3: You know, a lot of what PiStar is for is for having fun. It's for taking the pain out of experimenting with some of this stuff so you can experiment and poke at it. And if you get brave, go and sign in on the command line and go and look at how it works underneath. Uh, it's there to be played with, and let's face it: if you really make a mess, you just reimage it, and you're back to where you were.
0: Yep, absolutely. So let's move on to in the expert configuration options. Let's specifically talk about some of the quick edit ones, and basically, what I want you to do, if you if you can, is start with a MMDVM host and go through all the way through, um, well, at least NXDN and possibly DAPNet, and just identify the useful tweaks in each of those settings.
3: Okay. So for the most part, we try wherever we can to take the pain out of this. So as long as you've already been to the configuration page and you've already put in the information that you're asked for, where you are, what your call sign is, what your various IDs might be for the modes that you have enabled and you've enabled the modes that you care about. What the quick edits do is they open the configuration file as it is saved. So they open it exactly as it is on the system right now. So if you have two tabs open, you can shoot your own feet off. Please do be a little bit careful. Um, Like I said, when you load the page, it opens the configuration file as it is. It loads it in a way that hopefully makes some sense if you've ever seen the configuration file, and you might not have. So you can see the, the header banners for each section. Those are as the sections show up in the configuration file. Nothing's hidden, it's all here. There are cases where you might want to add a line. You can't do that from a quick edit, we'll cover that in just a moment. But every option that's in your configuration file is there and you can mess with it. Mostly, the dashboard will take care of you and it will do the things that you want it to do. Occasionally, there'll be things that you might want to try out and play with yourself. One of the great examples in MMDVM Host If you scroll down to a section that's headed modem, these are the things or the configuration parameters for your modem. And in here, you'll have an RX offset and a TX offset and a bunch of levels. The levels and the offsets are the things that you might actually want to monkey with just a little bit. If you have uh, an SDR so that you can actually see where your PyStar transmits, You can actually move it around. I actually, as it happens, I did this very recently with mine. Uh, I used an SDR to actually line up the transmit to make sure that it was exactly on frequency. Quite a few of the the hats for the pies are not quite. They're not far away, but they're not quite. Similarly, you can do a little bit of tuning by looking at the the error rates, particularly in DMR and uh, D star. And you can choose the receive offset. And again, you can get that to the sweet spot where the error rate is as low as possible. Well worth doing. Definitely spend the time doing that. You can also look at the deviation. So with mine, the deviation was very slightly off. In the case of a uh, pi hat, that's actually the TX level. The TX level sets the deviation. Uh, Why are these things not actually called deviation? That comes from a little bit of history. It's because if you were using a, Uh, MMDVM modem, as in one that does not have the RF component built in, that really would be the level that's sent to the radio and not the deviation. Uh, But this was a way to get uh, the integrated hats with the radio on board. It was a way to be able to set it. So there are a few settings that you might want to play with. So that's that one. Uh, And you said we should uh, skip through the rest as well and just give you the highlights, right?
0: Yeah, just hit the high notes. Anything that people might actually need to play with.
3: Okie dokie. So in DMR Gateway, again, the majority of this is set from the dashboard, and it's set fairly well. You can adjust uh, where you have your rewrites. Uh, I would spend some time, have a quick Google for uh, these features, because that requires a deep dive all on its own. Being able to rewrite... Uh, Talk groups and IDs is something that DMR Gateway is very good at. You can definitely improve your life by doing so. You can definitely make it worse by doing so badly. Um, Do spend the time on Google, but absolutely go play. The other feature that you get by editing this in the quick edit is you can actually choose to uh, enable and configure uh, networks 4 and 5. The dashboard absolutely doesn't touch them. They're there for you to go play with. Uh, do go play with them have as many networks as you want let it drive you crazy for a couple of days and uh, you'll probably come back down to two or three <laughs> okay or in my case uh, one <laughs> yeah quite possibly one one is a very sane number i like that We'll go with that. <laughs> uh ysf gateway honestly what are you likely to touch in here no you're just not um it's here for the sake of completeness i think rather than actual need um the only thing that you might want to touch in here is uh, there's a section called Network that has inactivity timeout and revert. Uh, I'm pretty sure that revert might not actually be there in the stock configuration. That enables you to have, um, if you're connecting automatically to a YSF room, you can have it reconnect. So if somebody link, or you even uh, link to somewhere else, and there's just no activity after that many minutes it will jump back to where it was configured to uh, start off. Mostly though, you won't be in there. P25 gateway, very much the same deal uh, in all respects, actually. Uh, pretty much you just won't touch anything in there. It's there for completeness. NXDN gateway. Uh, I feel like I'm repeating myself. Same deal. There's almost nothing you want to touch. It's there so you can see it, but um, probably you won't touch it. That net gateway. Yep. All the same, it's there. You probably won't touch it. The only things that you need to change are set from the main configuration page. Uh, So you'll be asked which server and what your auth key is. And that's it, actually. And those are both in the main configuration page. But, you know, these these editors are here just in case. I can't prophesize what you might want to change. So I just give you the choice.
0: All right, fair enough. And on the full edits, we talked about the BrandMeister API where you enter your key to get Grandmeister control through the Pi-Star dashboard, which is useful. Uh, DAPnet, presumably the same thing to get control of your DAPnet configuration if you happen to be in Germany or whatever. Um, but one we should probably talk about is PyStar remote.
3: We definitely should. Well, I'll touch on each of these a little bit. So what's different about full edit? It is what you might expect. It actually allows you to arbitrarily edit the file with your keyboard. Uh, so instead of being penned in and only able to change what you see, if you had a line that you wanted to add, you can add it so you can actually change stuff. So there's one of those for the uh, DMR gateway because you might actually need to do something that's not available in the quick edit. Um, I will skip over PyStar Remote for a second, but we'll pick it up in a moment. You can edit directly your um, WPA supplicant file so you can change your Wi-Fi setup. Uh, maybe you need to do something that the dashboard doesn't natively allow you to do. Maybe you need to reorder some of these. Maybe you want to um, see what the file looks like. Maybe you want to change something. Maybe you don't want to change something. You just want to take a look. BM API we touched on that, so you can just put the key in there. That's uh, quick and simple. Uh, DAPnet API, much the same kind of deal. So you come in here, you give it your call sign, and you give it the um, transmitter area that you want to be part of, and that uh, you tell it your details, and then it can... Uh, it can talk to the API from the command line. That's quite useful because you can actually send pages from the command line. And if you can send pages from the command line, you can write a script, and you can have the script do some stuff and page you the output. Very geeky. Um, uh, I won't say it's pointless because actually, it's quite handy. I'll maybe touch on how handy that is later on, but it's quite handy. Uh, System cron. System cron is exactly that. It really is the system cron tab. You really can edit it here. Uh, you do need to be a little bit careful. It is the system crontab after all, so um, you'll see that there are some things in here that it does by default. And you really can choose not to do them, or you can type them incorrectly and cause mayhem. So do be a little bit careful, but it is there to be played with if that's what you'd like to do. All right, let's get back to the PyStar remote. Now, this again, like many things in PyStar, came from a need. And the need comes from the old uh, DSTAR solution uh, that Jonathan had with DSTAR repeater and IRC DDB gateway. The repeater was actually able to intercept commands sent to it um, by sending specially crafted messages. So you can ask your Pi to reboot. You could ask it to disconnect, maybe. You could even ask it to shut down. And initially, we didn't have a way to replicate that on other modes. Uh, but now if you come in here and and you click on the full edit for Pi Star Remote, there's a little banner at the top that tells you what to do. And essentially, it does what you can see. So you get to enable a couple of different things. You need to set it enabled because as default, it's turned off. You need to provide a call sign for the keeper. So this is the call sign from who it will actually take commands. And if you're not in that... Uh, field, it won't actually uh, do anything with whatever you send it. And then there's a a group of uh, DMR IDs, YSF room numbers, and P25 IDs, and you can actually choose these uh, as your remote commands. So you actually get to choose what your remote command looks like, and some of them are turned off by default, so shutdown is turned off by default, because if you actually run shutdown, it actually shuts down, it doesn't reboot, so it just goes away and doesn't come back. And maybe that's not what you want, and maybe it is. And there's a couple of um, slightly fun ones. So in the DMR uh, setup, it's all business. It's just service kill, service restart, reboot, shut down. Host files is going and update your host files. Uh, But in DSTAR, it's a little bit more flexible because it's based on actual words. Uh, So in DSTAR, you can also do get IP and it will tell you what your IP address is. You actually get a text message back on your uh, DSTAR handheld to tell you what the current IP address is. And just for fun, there's also a magic eight ball, which you can play with as well by sending an eight ball.
0: (laughs) All right, I like it.
3: And of course it gives you the usual mystical answers to every question that you can answer.
0: Very good. Uh, there's only a couple of things we didn't touch on, which are not that big a deal, even though they're in the expert section. The SSH access just gives you an SSH window onto the Pi from the web inter- you know, the web GUI. So
3: yeah, silly. for those for those people who don't have an SSH client handy, uh, we built one in just in case, because who knows?
0: And uh, like I said the first time around, the CSS tool was uh, the first thing I went to after setting it up to get rid of the Pantone orange. And, uh, you know, there's a few other things you can set in there. And as noted originally, the button at the bottom that says factory reset is only for the CSS, not for the Pi.
3: <laughs> it is only for the CSS, yes. I mean, it even says, you know, if you took it all too far and it makes you feel sick, click here to reset. Yeah, bit of fun. But um, I have seen some really quite fantastic color schemes.
0: Uh, I just like my dark blue. I, I couldn't deal with the orange. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that's gotten down to the end of my topics, and I know Bill has probably gone to sleep. But in all what? of that, <laughs> have you have you come up with anything you want to ask? <laughs> oh me? Yeah, yeah. You. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm still talking to you.
2: Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> I was uh, I wasn't. I mean, that you guys that were really
3: means we covered it all. Absolutely everything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still uh still a bit you know mystified on the whole thing. So uh I have not yet uh stepped into uh, into this realm and uh I continue to think I'm I'm better off not to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't you have something that does
0: D star? Uh
2: no. Oh, you haven't even
0: you haven't even got into D Star. Okay.
2: No. Well, I haven't. Either. I mean, I have but. used D Star and I have used uh, DMR once or so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't own any radios with any of that stuff on it. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now Bill, Bill's gonna maintain his old schooledness. I yeah, that's that's for-, that for you know VHF and UHF's for weak weak signal work. Come on. <laughs> All right,
0: anyway, moving on. Uh, So I did put in here YSF Gateway and YSF Reflector, and these are written by uh, G4KLX, which makes me wonder, does PyStar integrate these two projects?
3: So yes and no.
0: Okay, (laughs) well, excellent. I guess I asked the right question, so.
3: Absolutely, so you could, technically, you could run YSF Reflector on a Pi with PyStar at the same time. I don't recommend it, but you can. So the reflectors are what you connect to. Those are the uh, rooms, if you like, where you bring people together. So when you dial a room number in YSF, you are connecting to a YSF reflector. So Jonathan not only writes the the client side of that, which is the gateway, um, so you use MMDVM host, like I said, everything is the other side of a gateway. That connects to YSF gateway. That does run on your PyStar. Uh, the gateway then knows about all of the available rooms on the network, and you can choose to dial them by by number, by DTMF even, with a YSX command, however you feel. You, as I said, you can run the reflector on your Pi-Star if you wanted to. It's not a good idea. I mean, that will support a couple of people. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be a terribly good thing to do to try and support a busy room that way, uh, but it's a thing that you could do.
0: So YSF Gateway, when you when you choose a YSF room in Pi-Star, that's using YSF Gateway,
3: right? So as I alluded to earlier on, uh, MMDVM host speaks to the radio. Its job is only really to speak to the radio. It tries to do everything else through a gateway. So it speaks to. It is able to speak directly to. Uh, DMR networks, Um, but it may change in the future where it may be uh, you have to use the gateway and then the gateway understands the network. So the crux of it is that almost all the time, uh, MMDVM host speaks to a gateway, the gateway speaks to the network, and the gateways live on PyStar. So even though you don't really see them, they're there.
0: All right. And I'm actually running a YSF reflector on a separate machine, so that's where... When you go into PyStar now, you will see in the YSF dropdown, a uh, thing that says 65982, uh, US dash LHS ref, LHS podcast. And that's the Linux in the Hamshack reflector. And if you like numbers, it's 65982. So you can actually connect to a reflector, my reflector, whatever <laughs> from PyStar. And one of these days, it'll actually be connected to something other than itself.
3: You can probably hear me turning the Azu radio on in the background. You know what that means. We have to have to meet there later on.
0: Okay. We can do that. I, I I've never actually been able to use it because when well, at the time I was connecting to it via my my Azu radio and it can't send and receive at the same time. It it was a complicated thing. Um anyway, but yeah, I would like to try it and see if it actually works since no one's actually used it it's up till now and uh i am hoping to create one of those rf bridges here before too long so this is all kind of fun for me and i like the technology and i like where it's going and i and i like uh having a little bit of a challenge so uh and since pi star is so widespread it would be nice to have you know the ability to connect and sort of create that that unity among wires x and ysf and dmr and all that uh, through the Linux in the hamshack podcast. So I'm giving it a go. All right. So I don't have any more questions. I've, I've talked out our topics. I do have a bunch of links that are going to be in the show notes, which will reference all the technologies and stuff that we've talked about. And so now I go back to the beginning and ask the question that I always ask at the end of interviews. What are the things that we missed or what are the things that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about?
3: Well, our stories is, is- I won't say it's all-encompassing because frankly it isn't, there is always more that could be done, more that could be added. Uh There are plenty of ideas that that many of us have had that for various reasons are not possible right now. Uh, for example, you know, directly connecting via the network straight to WISEX rooms, I'd love to, it's not a thing yet. Um So there, there are definitely things that are missing. Uh, There are definitely things that we haven't talked about, Um, but we've probably talked for so long that your listeners are probably suffering a little bit with Eric from (laughs) listening to me already.
0: That's entirely Um, possible, but they can break this up and listen to it on their own. That's the the beauty of podcasting.
3: (laughs) That's very true, but we could also tantalize them and say that, well, we'll just have to save it for, you know, deep dive number two. Three.
0: Three. Yeah. (laughs) Yep well excellent uh and i'm sure there will be one because we've touched on a lot of things and when i listen back to this i'm going to write down all the things we need to add as deep dives number three four five six and so on
3: and the reality is that the landscape is is moving i mean there was a time when when PyStar was still very very busy and growing very quickly and we didn't have crossover mode support and uh, some of the other alternatives out there did, and you know we we're all trying to figure that out, and you know things change, so by the time we speak again, who knows what might be under the hood?
0: Well, I'm looking forward to whatever comes next in the pi star world. I'm up to four one two and i I keep pushing that upgrade button pretty much daily, and nothing's happened lately, but we'll see i mean I know things will be will be coming down the pipeline.
3: One of the things I will say is we we do occasionally have quite a big push and make a large number of changes. And when we've done that, we do try and have a period of stability where it's not so much that we're not innovating, we're just polishing what's there and trying not to make massive changes because with large changes come the scope to break things. And uh, although we do occasionally break stuff, I'll be perfectly honest, it does happen. We do try to keep it to a minimum.
0: Well, that being said, I will say that Pi-Star seems to be one of the most stable applications slash operating systems that I've used on any kind of device. Cause my raspberry PI just sits there and runs and runs and runs and runs. And I don't, I don't even have to worry about it. I just know when I want to fire up my DMR radio and connect to a talk group, it'll be there.
3: That's great to hear. I'd like to think that it's the same for, um, the majority of the ones that are out there, um, in fairness, a lot of that comes down to some of the early design decisions. Uh, keeping the file system read-only as much as we can really helps with SD card protection. Um, and much of that is is protecting uh, people from themselves. It happens. You will invariably yank the power lead. You might not have meant to. You could have had a power cut. Who knows? And, you know, we just try and, try and protect the system from itself as much as anything else. It's never perfect. It never will be perfect and it will never be finished because there will always be something new and exciting we could add.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it and, um, I'm happy with what it does. I'm happy with its stability and I'm looking forward to the future of Pi star and, and the future of radio actually that uses these digital technologies and when, where we take it from here. So let me thank you once again for coming on the show, Andy, uh, Mike whiskey zero Mike whiskey Zulu, because you like lots of, uh, Dawes, i guess <laughs> <laughs> um but we really appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking to us about pi star and i look forward to the time when we can talk with you about it again
3: me too it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you very much
0: all right and i appreciate you spending uh your sort of late latish evening uh after a long day of work to come on the show and uh and do this for us so um we will definitely be in touch and uh if you want to give out any information about how people can contact you, I'll let you do that here. Otherwise, uh, you can remain as hermit-like as you as you wish.
3: Uh, no, it's pretty simple. At the bottom of every page on the PyStar dashboard, you'll find my email address. You'll find a link to the uh, website. You'll find a link to the Facebook group. You'll find a link to the forum. Feel free to use any and all of them. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. If you have any kind of issue with PyStar, tell me. And if you love it, tell your friends.
0: All right, fantastic. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Seventy-three. All right, Bill. We're down to announcements and feedback, and since you haven't done very much talking at all, <laughs> I think I'm just going to let you handle all these. How about that?
2: Yeah, that sounds. Uh, I figured that's the way it was going to be. <laughs> so uh, yeah, here we go. We got an email from Jim W4JED. He says, "Hi guys, I have the I have a five CD set, the July 1995 Yggdrasil Archive. That says that Linux is more than 25 years old." Back in the fall of 95 I tried several OSs including Windows 95, OS2 Warp with a Windows 3.1 VM for running Windows code. One of my attempts which failed was Slackware from Igd IG, I guess I'm saying that set. <laughs> my first actually successful attempt with Linux that I uh, that I actually used, that's a lot of actuallys, was an install of Debian 2 on a color book, running the CD in a separate machine and connecting the two with a parallel port lap link cable (laughs) using Plip. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) I remember all this stuff that we had to do. (laughs) I I started after breakfast and finished at maybe 10 p.m. Of course, the installation didn't have any sound because there was no sound in the kernel. That was added later after I obtained a 3C509 card to connect to the 3C503. Of course, those are all 3COM cards uh, in the desktop. Of course, it was a two-step problem. Uh, build a kernel with PCMCIA and then build again and to add sound. Uh, start the compile, then stand the laptop on edge of the floor so it would keep cool. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it would go into thermal meltdown. Uh, go to work. When you get it home, it'll be all done. And then start the lap. This sounds a lot like Gen 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Back like, you know, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. Anyways, the, the start of the laptop. Uh, the start Then start the laptop up in Windows to determine the IRQ, DMA, <laughs> and the ports for normal and a MIDI. Switch back to Linux and put the numbers into the SB-16 driver. Find an an AU file and cat it to dev DSP. (laughs) Success. (laughs) Wow. That brings back nightmares. Uh, Now start up XF86 setup and tell it that the box had a CNT 65535 chip and common serial mouse. Success again. Pretty pictures. Install X Fish Chank and and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) I always like the what was it the X eyes or one that would follow you around the screen. (laughs) Oh yeah, they you can still get that. It's still available. Like an enlightenment or something like that. Anyway, uh, installed. Okay, so on the laptop, Netscape 3 worked quite well under Windows 95, but was unusable under Debian. The website would time out before Netscape could render the data. Oh, well, 73 Jim W4JED from Raleigh, North Carolina. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that walk down
0: horror lane. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We
2: are so thankful that it is nothing like that now. The stupid stuff we complain about now is stupid stuff.
0: (laughs) My favorite thing of of all the things I remember about those things back in the day was having your... like having your modem card on the same interrupt as your mouse so it wouldn't transfer data unless you were moving the mouse.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. IRQ management was yeah. so important. You had to actually like uh, go into your BIOS and ensure that none of the none of the devices that the that the motherboard could control would override an existing IRQ. And <laughs> yep. it, yeah, it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> you had <to> turn all <laughs> the plug and play stuff off from the motherboard when plug and play first came out. Uh, so you wouldn't randomize your IRQ assignments and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Thankfully, all of that has gone away, and we can yep. just sit here and complain about System D and uh, UDev and everything. Right. Else. Exactly. <laughs> we, we've got into a new dark age. So. Yeah. Now we just complain about stuff that works in both cases. It just doesn't work the way we want it to work. <laughs> all right. So that's awesome. All right. The next email comes from Bob K4RFK. He says, hi, folks. Love your shows. How about a deep dive about remote operating? And that's from Bob Condon. Conwar? Conwar? Conyer, probably. Conyer, Conyer, K4RFK. And we heard a lot of people talking about remote operating, especially using the Raspberry Pi as the end device uh, during uh, this weekend's, uh, or not this weekend's. (laughs) Last (laughs) weekend's. Yeah, last weekend's. uh, Last weekend's uh, Ham Radio Expo, uh, the QSO Today Ham Radio Expo. So, uh, yeah, that uh, definitely seemed like a topic of interest. I saw multiple people talking about that. And uh, I think a lot of us are kind of awaiting the uh, embargo on the uh, code for uh, rigpy to see exactly what comes out of there. But it seems like a lot of people are working on projects for that. And there are some obviously existing solutions that you can employ that, you know, you can even run as a Linux base. And you, you, we talked about this, and you use it at home where you can use like Pulse Audio to send the sound across. You can remote desktop into your, into your computer using VNC or uh, what's the no no screen or something like that you can <laughs> also
0: use rdp there's xrdp so yeah
2: xrdp or or yeah multiple multiple ways you can get onto your desktop and uh, basically not not change your sound devices and stuff like that so um yeah we should probably do a, a full wrap up of various things you can do now and uh maybe some solutions about that and then maybe dive into You know, doing it very specifically using a Raspberry Pi as that device that sits between your radio and the interwebs.
0: That sounds like a good idea. Thanks for the topic suggestion. We will implement it.
2: Yeah. And our next email comes from no stranger to the show. Rich K0EB says, nice job on the open source amateur radio club. B-A-W is barrel aged whiskey. He's the
0: only one. I didn't even think of that, nor would (laughs) I have ever. Of course, that's going to change anyway. We'll we'll talk more about the Open Source Amateur Radio Club on future episodes once we figure out what we're actually going to do with it and and actually get its uh, real call sign. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, He says uh, DR Log is a contest logger for Linux. I think I looked that up briefly uh, when he had mentioned it the last time, quite possibly. I'll go back to that later. Um, And see, I messed with it a bit, but couldn't. Couldn't quite get it going. I think that was my same experience. Uh, it requires a radio to be connected, and I did not have that set up. Interesting, though, the next one is called Repeater Start. Uh, the author wants users to submit repeaters that are known to be up and running. It works and is pretty cool. The author, Luke, makes a good point about native Linux apps for Linux phones and shows how he created Repeater Start. Hope to see you at the QSO Expo, Rich. And, of course, we've got some links to everything he mentioned in the... Uh, in the email?
0: Yep. And uh since the QSO expo was a week ago now, we can say that we did see Rich at the expo. He was in the yeah. chat,
2: and uh, he said hello, and we said hello back. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I dogged him about the uh, BSD and the Ham Shack episode two, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, he said, well, after after a while, he said, uh, oh yeah, I'm going to download Ghost BSD because I told him I had uh, I had uh, installed Ghost BSD and had uh, little to no issue installing uh, some ham radio software on there uh, that was already in the uh, repo available. So, uh, so yeah, there we go. So we'll probably hear from Rich again quite, uh, quite soon. Hopefully, <laughs>
4: yeah. Hopefully,
2: always good to hear from Rich. So,
0: anyway, that brings us down to the end of our announcements and feedback, or rather, the feedback. I didn't have any announcements. I don't know if you have any announcements. Uh, nothing that I
2: can think of at the moment. No.
0: All right. Well, that means we have come down to the end of episode number three hundred and sixty-two. This has been the second part of our deep dive on pi star and that's a wrap so thanks once again to andy mw zero mwz that's quite the tongue twister there <laughs> do you want uh, to
2: mention the people in the chat room that were here midday when we were
0: recording oh that's true we did uh have mike km8yor don kc9zmy virgil k7 victor zulu and aj2e0skx so all
2: lurking around the chat room yes. <laughs> don't know but i think mike was listening for sure um but uh, yeah it's the middle of the day that we're recording this so uh so yeah the time has a little offer all the all the, uh, US the normal
0: folk, folks but, yeah, US uh,
2: folks working and stuff that are in the middle of the day
0: and uh also thanks to the qso today ham expo from last week we've uh got lots of new listeners and discord participants and so on and so forth so
2: yeah, we've virtually doubled our Discord number, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, that is response. pretty cool. Yep.
0: So thanks to everybody who listens to the show. Thanks for being here. And uh, thanks to everybody who downloads and listens later, and we hope you uh, get something useful and uh, maybe moderately entertaining out of episode number 362. So for Cheryl, W5MOO, who is not here today on assignment, I'm Ross, K5TUX.
2: And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
1: For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info, stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at LHSpodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page